how many love what God is doing in you through his word? It's been really blessing me. If you're memorizing the word, God will bless you through it. Let's go to Proverbs 20, verse 5 through 7. We've got two passages, and then we'll go to Psalms 37. And um, I really enjoy reading through the Proverbs. If you haven't, there's 31 of them. Just pick a month and read through one a, month, one a day, and you'll get through all of them, and it'll add wisdom to your life. How many believe you have some wisdom from reading the Proverbs? How many have had responses in relationships where you responded differently because you knew what the word of the Lord said in Proverbs and it worked? Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. But a man or a person, I want you to understand that's referring to a man here, but it means a person of understanding will draw it out. In other words, the heart has a deep well in it. But a person of understanding will draw out of that well and find out what is in me. What does God want to use in me? What is in me that needs to be taken out? Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. A just man walketh in his integrity. That means a just person. His children are blessed after him. Someone said amen. All right, let's go to Psalms 37. In verse 4, I'm going to read there. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. What desires is he talking about? Well, let's jump over. It says, commit that, verse 5 says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust in him and he shall bring it to pass. And verse 6 says, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as a light and thy judgment as the noonday. And then rest in the Lord. And then over on 22 is where I want to really kind of take everything from today. For such as be a blessed, I'm going to read it off the screen because of the lighting. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. Next verse. The steps of a good man. Everybody say the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. If you're a man here, that applies directly. If you're female here, that applies directly. And he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed, God's seed, begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. You don't have to wait for the harvest with God to be blessed, because the seed is blessed before it goes into the ground. What we're about to preach and teach here is bless before you received it. Amen? So let's pray and let's ask God to help us. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. We thank you for this teaching today. We know that you're going to be in it. You're going to guide us and direct us through it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 
You may be seated. I want to talk to you for a little while about ahead of schedule. Ahead of schedule. Now, of course, we know that the Scripture states a good man, and we realize that in Scripture that we are born in sin. And so we have to quantify or qualify what a good man or good person is. And that, that is that a good person is one who's been forgiven of God. Amen, somebody. And his shed blood has redeemed them and redeemed their soul from hell, Scripture talks about, because of this they are good men, okay? And in themselves they are only good because of that before a holy God. And so we have to have respect for God. I was at the um, post office taking care of something, and I was in line, and I got up to the counter. And as, as you always do, you're courteous. You're Christian-like. You're courteous. You're trying to be kind. You're trying to spread some Christmas joy. Amen. Come on, somebody. I need some Christmas joy up in this mug. And so I was just, you know, being happy and smiling because smile is the universal language. Amen, somebody. Hello, Instagram moment. Okay. All right. Fine. But... I still, while I was standing there, I asked the question, and she said, well, you need to talk to a supervisor. Go to that blue door right outside these doors. So I go there, and I'm standing there and doing all that I can to be patient. Anybody ever had to wait on something, and you know it doesn't take this long? It really doesn't take this long. You could have walked five building links by now. And so they're just waiting, and it's the end of business. I didn't know this, so they're all just kind of stalling, hoping I'll go away so then they don't have to deal with it. But I'm not the kind of person that goes away, Ursula. I have a little bit of a personality that wants to make an impact. So I start pounding on the blue door. This is me being a Christian. I'm still trying to be a Christian at this point. And then he opens up the door, and I say, I need to take care of this. He said, oh, I'm so sorry. We can't take care of that here. You have to go in and pay at the teller, and that's closed now. They had closed those doors while I was standing there and closed the blinds, literally. They said, nobody come in here. And so I'm like, just in there. Are you got to be kidding me? I'm, and I'm, lo- I'm, I'm losing my Holy Ghost in moments, uh, in seconds. So finally, I'm like, you know what? Is there anything you can do? And there was a lady standing there was in line behind me. She stepped up and she vouched for me. And she said, I know that he was in line in front of me and he could have done that if you wanted him to there, but they sent him out here. And so then because I had someone step in and say, I know he was scheduled the right way. He was talking to the right person. He was trying to do the right thing. And now you're telling him you can't help him. That influenced the guy behind the window, the blue door window. And he helped me do what I needed to do. And he went around and he opened the door and let me in when nobody else could get in. There was this woman in there working who had the keys. And she had a huge T-shirt that said, no bad vibes. Anybody seen this stuff? literally will not do anything that brings them bad vibes. And so I walk into a woman that is giving them one of these numbers, chewing them out, and she's standing there with the no bad vibes. It was very iconic. People are, people are funny. And they, they, finally, they could not help this lady, and she just pounded her way out the door, and, and I just felt like the one that had to be um, uh, soothing the problem. So I'm like, Look, I'm sorry I'm still here. I just need to take care of this. Could you just help me? And I'm very sorry about that. I really apologize because the older generation is starting to lose their cool about not having service 
How many know that service is changing in our world, that you can't get good service hardly anywhere? Anybody wanted to help me out with that? And so she was upset because they wouldn't go back and dig through 1,500 different envelopes and get hers back out for her to put something in it. And he said, I don't have people here, ma'am. We don't have people staffed like we used to. There's no one to go dig through that right now. And she goes, well, I'm here and I'm a cousin. You know, you know how that is. People are getting old and cranky because there's no more service in the world. And so I was like laughing at the moment because she's doing one of these and this other woman's just standing there with her no, vibe, no bad vibes shirt. And it was a moment. And I was thinking, what, what are we doing if we spend all of our time being upset at the things we cannot change instead of realizing that it's a heart issue. They were, she was more upset about the fact she wasn't getting good service than she was about the fact that they were telling her she couldn't have what she wanted. She, she desired to have something changed, and they wouldn't change it. And I'm, I'm only seeing the story from the fact that I was trying to get something done that I should have done. I went there on schedule. I was planning to do something a certain way, and I ended up in an entirely different situation and then all of them started talking about how that woman comes in like once a week and curses them out and gives them a hard time. And I started ministering to three people in a post office that I wasn't even planning to, to talk to, but God had a God is the head of my schedule, amen. And he knew something was gonna happen. And I began to talk to them and I began to share with them and we began to, to talk about things. And I told them I was just standing there and I was saying, look, if you if if you want to know what it's like to deal with something like that. You just have to have a place where you put all that and then you just lay it down. Amen. And I told the story about the bus driver who brought the kids on the bus and took them to school. And when they were getting off the bus, sometimes the parents would be very difficult or the kids would be having a hard day and he would hold his hand out and he said, put your troubles in my hand on your way out the door. And he would, they would all pretend they would, the imaginary put the troubles in the, in the driver's hands. He said, I'm going to go over the bridge. And when he'd go over the bridge, he'd open the window and he'd throw all their cares into the river. He did that every day. It was something he was known for and people remembered him for the person that not didn't run from bad vibes but literally helped others deal with the things that they were going through and I just took a moment and said why don't we just throw that in the river and just forget about it and they're like yeah we'd be happy to do that. How about we lock the door when we see her coming? <laughs> that was not my approach but hey that's their approach. Sometimes you have to go through the worst things, though, to get the best things. Sometimes you have to deal with difficult people in order to learn patience to give you what God has coming next. And I want you to know that I am very much a linear man when it comes to the blessings of God. I believe he sets you up and he has you win. And then that builds you for the next thing. I don't believe you should pile your failures on top of your head and just be slumped over and say, look at how horrible I am. I'm just a mess up. I'm just a screw up. I never get it right. No, you should take those failures and lay them out as steps and use them as lessons amen, to continue growing and going forward. And whenever you do that, you can also ask the Lord, search me, oh God, know me, find anything in me, cleanse me, wash me, make my heart new, because that is what God is interested in. He's interested in you learning the power of trusting in a sovereign God. 
And we can complain about all kinds of stuff. And we can stand in post office and, and run our finger at people. Or we can trust in the sovereignty of God that, hey, there's a reason for this. I ended up ministering to people, and I didn't even know I was going to be there that day. God is in control, and I am not. He is the head of schedule, and he has me on time every time. He puts me in places to help me so that I can help others. He is my supreme authority. That is what sovereignty means. He is the supreme authority of my life, and he's the supreme authority of my schedule. If he wants to interrupt it, let it be interrupted. If you have things that you're doing for the Lord and you're investing it, and it means that you don't get stuff done at home or in other places, just say to the glory of God like last week we preached. Just say to the glory of God and trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, Scripture tells us. Even Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You have to know that there is a sovereignty link between how you trust God and how your heart responds to God. That your heart is very important to God. And sometimes I'm wondering if maybe we are trying so hard to get it right, but we're not coming to God and asking them, what is my heart like Jesus? Know my heart. Know my thoughts. I want to delight myself in you, that you would direct my desires. Amen? I just feel like the world, when it's changed, there's people that are now putting signs in the door. We actually are needing to be kind to people that show up because there's so many that don't show up. Amen? They're putting signs in the door that says, please be patient on businesses. These people haven't had a break in seven days, things like that. And I feel sorry for people like that. We went out to lunch for Thanksgiving. How many had a good Thanksgiving? How many had a turkey coma afterwards? That trick to fan nap? Yes, Lord have mercy. I was seeking the Lord from the back of my eyelids. Just, no, I didn't have too much. We went out to eat, and I, I was thanking the waiting staff on our way out. I said, I just want to thank you so much for serving us on the holiday, and I hope you get to move this holiday to another day. And we were, they were so thankful that we were thankful, amen? They were so thankful, but there, there's others that I'm talking to, and like just like the post office conversation, they, they don't know where all the workers went. They said, we don't have any workers. We don't have anybody left. And I don't know where they all went. They're making money online. They're doing different things. I understand there's some good, some negative, and very negative, obviously. But I just feel like telling you that we are servants of the Most High. And no matter what the world does, I know people say as the world goes, so goes the church slowly. I understand that, that there is an effect sometimes of culture on the church. But I wonder if maybe we could be that first church again that goes back to Scripture and says, no matter what culture does, I want to do it like the first church did it. Amen? I want to be so clear in the Word of God that I know what I am and who I am. And I feel like I want to preach, where have all the servants of the Most High gone? Amen? Where are the people that are willing to serve and step in? And I'm not preaching out of anger. I know there's a good team here, and I appreciate that. But when the world stops serving, the church should still be serving. Amen? 
When the world doesn't have workers, the church should still have workers because we don't look for schedules of people. We look for God to fill in where he fills in. And God is the one who puts people on schedule to serve him, amen? He is the head of schedule. So he does the things that we cannot do. And that's why the scripture says in Luke 10 that we should not pray for the harvest or pray for the laborer, but we should pray to the God of the laborers, the God who sends the laborers. We should say, we have a whole different approach. We don't put out advertisements. We don't ask for resumes. We just start to pray to God, Lord, send more souls. Lord, send people to serve your kingdom. Lord, help people to rise up in the name of Jesus. Help people to stand up and walk with God. Help people to square their shoulders back, even in depression and difficult things, and say, I am not bound by this thing. I am not held to where I am. I have a place to be and someone to serve, and I'm going to do my best to be the church of the living God. I'll go ahead, if that's okay, and preach a little. <laughs> oh, I was already doing that? <laughs> okay. When the world has only dysfunctional families, I believe the church should still have functional families. When the world gives us hope, when the world gives up hope, the church must be found with everlasting hope. Good place to put an amen in the chat, here online, everywhere. In this way, sometimes the fight comes to us. We don't go looking for a fight. Let me help you just a little bit. There's not a lot of graphic language in the Word of God about spiritual warfare. It shows up in Ephesians 6 and a couple other places, and really all of that is for defensive and a couple offensive. The weapon is the sword, obviously, the shield of faith. There's nothing really covering your back because God's got your back. <laughs> just seeing if you're still listening. I'm just checking. Some of you are falling asleep, so, you know, got to make sure. So I began to study out that we don't go picking fights. I had people as I was growing up, people in the church, there was a lady and it's not always a lady, sometimes it's a guy, but this was one of those spooky people, really super spiritual people. You know those people? Yeah, they pray for parking spots and what color clothes they should wear. You know them. I know you know them. You've encountered one somewhere in your life. And she came in, and we'd have prayer. We'd have something, and she was, uh, she was saying, oh, the devil's been after me all week. And it was, you know, she had that one of those southern, a little bit of southern draw. The devil's been after me all week. And I was, even as a kid, I was like, wow, you're important. You get the devil by yourself. Really? <laughs> all by your, he's got help, you know, he does have help. He's got second string and third string help. Them demons he talks about. But you, you got the devil all by yourself all week. You, you remember the story of the devil sitting out on the steps of the church and he's crying and someone comes in and they're like, Lucifer, what's wrong? Why are you even here? And he's just weeping and weeping on the steps of the church. And he's like, what's wrong? Why are you crying? And Lucifer says, they're in there blaming me for everything. I grew up in churches that blamed the, everything on the devil. I mean, just everything. And it didn't matter if it was flesh, if it was man's decisions, 
It didn't matter what it was. It was the devil's fault. And it's not always the devil's fault, amen? Sometimes the fight comes to us in ways where we need to stand up and say, look, there can still be people that stand for what is good and right and do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with their God. But these things do come with a price. They come with a price. And there comes a day... And I would say maybe we're almost there. We're living righteously and fighting for righteousness in our lives may be the fight of our lives. I feel like when I'm talking with men, um, brothers, hear me. When you're fighting for your marriage, I recognize that that fight is you fighting for more than just your marriage. You're fighting for the example of Christ and his church in your marriage. And that's why the enemy attacks marriages, tries to drive a wedge in between them, can do everything possible, use kids, use situations, use circumstances. He'll use anything he can to drive a wedge in a marriage because that's what he wants to do with God's kids and him. That's what he wants to do with the bride of Christ and Jesus Christ. Amen? He wants to put a wedge between us. You are fighting for more than your children when you are fighting for your children. You're fighting for the example of a man who presides, who, who is there, who is protector, a provider, and presider over his life. And when you're doing that, you are protecting your kids, but you're also communicating to everyone else that sees you that they are a benefactor of your testimony, that this works, that men can rise up, not with toxic manhood, but with good godly manhood and stand and protect their home. They can be providers. They can be protectors and they can be presiders that hold, that hold out and stand as priests in the home. I believe that, that they can love their wife as Christ loved the church, even when it's not easy. They can lay down their life for their family and in that find the greatest success by knowing that my steps are ordered of the Lord, as Scripture says, that a good man steps are ordered of the Lord, that they have, I have a God who helps me stay on schedule in my life. I'm really thankful for also the women. Can I talk to the women for a minute? I've been, I did this a little bit yes, last week. I thought I would do it now. But women, you have to learn to trust God in his workings and his ways. You have to learn how to Turn worry into prayer. If you're thinking about it, God's not done with it. If you're worried about it, give it to God in prayer. The anxiety of the moment, the anxiety of the what-ifs, the strong minds that you have that just are wired to analyze every single angle and who's thinking what and how is it going to turn out, and you have questions. The reason one preacher said that women have questions is because they were born in an environment or built for an environment that already had all the questions answered. They came into the garden when it was perfect, amen? So whenever you ask questions, please understand that guys get flustered by questions. Sometimes we don't always have the answers and we just grunt, okay? It's like, uh-huh, I don't know, I guess. 
Guys aren't ignorant. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm saying sometimes we're not in the frame of mind to answer a lot of questions. And until we are understanding that the questions are not undermining us, it is the fact that you want to know the answer ahead of time. And sometimes with God, we don't know the answers. So it is probably the strongest and most difficult area that the enemy will use to work is your trust in God, your trust in his sovereignty that it may not look like it, you wanted it to right now, but trust in God's sovereignty. He will work it out. I know you were supposed to get that promotion. I know you were supposed to not have to work on those days, but trust in the sovereignty of God to take care of it. I know you were supposed to be married to that man the rest of your life. I know he was never supposed to walk out on you, but regardless of if you have the title divorced or not, God has a sovereign plan over your life still and you are not defined by the label that happens in this world you transcend all worldly labels when you become a child of the most high god i'm asking a woman of god here today to live above the worry and live above the label and live above the place where you feel stuck and just release it to a savior when you see a big need in somebody's life Respond to it. Stay tender. When the world gets hard-hearted, we must fight to keep a willing heart. It's the hardest thing right now that I'm seeing among Christians is please keep a willing heart to serve other people and God. In large part, the condition of our heart is determined by our reactions or responses to the Lord, to people, and to events in our life or the events around us. If we keep a tender heart to God, God will give us strength for the overbearing frustrations of the day. Understand that he is the keeper. And that obviously touches on the heart. Being on schedule with God is a heart matter, amen? When you see a big need, we should respond with big faith. I... Don't know where you have been in life, but I remember times when faith was all we had. I mean, we didn't have hamburger helper. We just had the helper. We were so poor. We didn't have other things that other people had. I remember my friends coming down with new four-wheelers, new dirt bikes. I lived in Alaska. This is the stuff we did, showing up with new snowmobiles, and I got to ride them because I was their friends, but I did not have the same things that others had. I wore hand-me-down clothes. Anybody ever wear hand-me-down clothes? And if you're the last one on the hand-me-down, they're a little rough when they get there. It takes about three pairs to put together one underwear. You know what I'm saying? The waistband is gone. Can't even shoot them at your brother anymore, right? Sorry, we'll edit that out, team. <laughs> you, can't, you can't get a T-shirt that doesn't have a hole somewhere in it, but it's still a T-shirt. It still works. Got to wear it. It's going to go underneath your other shirt, so who cares? Nobody knows, right? We had hand-me-down clothes. We had hand-me-down this, and we always had donations given to us. But even in those moments, I remember people looking at my family and thinking, that's 
too difficult to fix. They didn't have faith for us. And out of that simple little home where we got excited when the food stamps came because we got to go to the grocery store and get a candy bar, that was my excitement. Out of that home came two ministers. And out of that home came a praying mom. And out of that home came miracles where angels showed up. God is near to those that are tenderhearted. And we have to have faith to believe. Do you have a willing heart, brothers and sisters? Are you willing to help when you see it? Or do you have a hardened heart that says, this just can't be fixed? Because if you have a heart like that, you'll miss appointments on God's calendar for you. When the Lord confronts you with your own sin, do you have a heart that is tender toward that? Do you have a heart that says, Lord, I hear you and I obey and I change my ways. Wash me in your blood. Or do you have a hypocritical heart that says, please, Lord, not now. I am in the middle of something important. Can we just please work on this another time? Could we straighten it out later? Be careful what your heart says back to the Lord. When the world rejects the word of God, we should respond when we hear scriptural truths with a retaining heart that makes plans to implement the truth later that week or as soon as possible. Do you do that when you hear the word of God? Are you, are you one of those people that are like, oh, no bad, no bad vibes, no, no bad vibes? Do you block some of the great things of God because they're difficult? Do you stop listening simply because it's hard to hear? I don't want to hear that. There's a generation of people that have itching ears in the New Testament. When the last days come, they have itching ears. They want to hear certain things and not other things. And I wonder if maybe we could get back to a church that wants to hear even the sin dealt with in our lives from the pulpit, even if it's a little more harsh, even if the sin and structure isn't as appealing to the ear. Maybe we could be people that says, I will not have a hypocritical heart that says, yeah, that's good for them, not good for me, but I will do everything I can to apply every truth that gets tossed out, every truth that gets thrown over that pulpit, I'm going to do my best to do what is said in the Word of God. So much to talk about about the Word speaking on the heart. How many places could the Word possibly talk about the heart? I'm glad you asked. There's at least 50 places in the Word of God that talk about the negative aspects of the heart and the positive ones that are in God's Word talks about a grieved heart, that literally you can have a grieved heart for sin and God can change you. That's in Genesis. We start there. You go through willing heart, a stirred heart, a wise heart in Exodus. Then you hit perfect heart and tender heart in First and Second Chronicles. Then you hit sorrowful heart and faithful heart in Nehemiah. And then Job kicks it up, or Job if you're brand new to the church. Job kicks it up with soft heart and upright heart and communion heart comes in in Psalms, a heart of wax, a heart that's pure in the Psalms, broken heart, panting heart, literally as 
as the deer panteth for water, so my heart panteth after thee, or my soul. In other words, a deer, when it is chased or pursued, will run all out, but use nearly 70 to 75% of the moisture in his body to flee from what is attacking it. And the Bible uses that analogy of a deer who's been chased and been run down by an enemy and has stopped. And now, in order to survive, has to quickly get to a brook and drink of water because it's exhausted all of its resources. And it said, just like that, my soul, my heart, panteth after thee, O God. I have been chased down by things. I have been pursued by things. I have had the enemy, maybe even, maybe not the devil, but the enemy for sure, chasing me all week long. And I need you, Jesus. Amen? The panting heart, Psalms, falling heart or failing heart in Psalms 40 and 12, proclaiming heart in Psalms 45, a fixed heart, a living heart, an established heart in Psalms 69 and 112, a standing, an understanding heart in Proverbs. Now we get into the wisdom writers talking about the merry heart, and then Ezekiel is a new heart, and Ezekiel eleven nineteen, a fleshy heart. He'll pull out that fleshy heart, that heart of stone and put in a fleshy heart. It goes on the list almost 30 different other places that I could find in Scripture of a purposeful heart in Daniel, a pondering heart in Luke, a forgiving heart in Matthew, an unblameable heart in 1 Thessalonians, a blood-sprinkled heart, symbolic in Hebrews, a nourished heart, James 5, 5, signified heart, or a sanctified heart, excuse me, an abs- a, a, a honest and good heart. I remember when we were younger, uh, we have a picture of uh, my sister and I uh, down in our underwear, and we were about, you know, knee-high to a grasshopper. And I don't know where that comes from, probably the south, knee-high to a grasshopper. But we were probably about this big, and when we were doing stuff, people would ask us, what are you doing? And I would always answer for both myself and my sister. I guess I was the one with the voice um, early on, and so I would answer for her. And we were laughing because we looked back at some pictures of us playing church and baptizing people. Amen. Modeling is very, very good. Your kids should be baptizing somebody in the bathtub every other week because they're understanding and learning about God. Amen. It is okay to let them imitate. It's like the one little couple of little kids that were locked in the room and you could hear them and they were playing church and they opened the door and one of them had a sheet over their head and the others were dancing around I said, what are you doing? And he's like, well, we're having church, and that's the Holy Ghost. (laughs) The Holy Ghost showed up. (laughs) A burning heart, a single heart, one heart, an opened heart, an obedient heart, a circumcised heart, believing heart, all of these things. I think God is very interested in the condition of our heart. And the reason why is because we get off schedule with him if we don't stay uh, considering our heart, God really takes it seriously, and we should as well. How many are going to take serious the condition of your heart? You're going to ask the Lord to watch over it, to search me, O Lord, and know me, purge me with hyssop, as David said, because out of the heart flows the issues of life, Proverbs 4.23 says. This is a beautiful scripture to memorize. I would, reckon, I, I would recommend it to anybody because this scripture 
gives you an understanding of if you don't guard your heart, it will direct you toward things that are away from God. You have to know that. I preach about it on a regular basis. Proverbs 4.23, we have beautiful words that they're going to help me with on the screen here in just a second. It says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Your heart, what that means for out of it is the issues of life. The meaning of that is your heart is your life because life is directed by what is in your heart. I think it was Seinfeld says the heart wants what the heart wants. That's definitely not wrong because the heart can be deceitful, the Bible says, extremely deceitful. And so keeping your heart with diligence will mean that you only allow it what will help you become more godly, loving, confident, and grow in Christ Jesus. Your heart can go after many things, brothers and sisters. Your heart can go after a relationship you should not be in. Hello, somebody. Your heart can go after desires that it should not have. But that is why you have to control what your heart goes after. And so I wonder if maybe today we could put ourselves ahead of schedule set God as the top of our priority list and say, I'm not going to do anything that stirs my heart to things that are not godly, loving, and grow me in Christ Jesus. I have so much more. I overprepared the message, which means I overcooked the meal. Nobody likes overcooked food. Jesus is our perfect example. That's where I was headed, that he showed us the Father's heart when you want to know what the Father's heart is, look at Jesus because he is the example of God in flesh showing us. You will see undying love willing to die for you. You will see God shed glory in dwelling Jesus to recover us. You will see all of these things as the picture of a Father's heart. He is kind, gentle, patient, and compassionate in ways that we cannot even understand but we should approach them through the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 7 talks about how he is gentle toward us. It talks about how Paul stated, but we were gentle among you in the Amplified Bible. But we have, but we behaved gently when we were among you like a devoted mother nursing a cherish and cherishing her own child. I need to understand the scripture here that is talking about the gentleness of God. And the word gentle in the original Greek means to be affable, mild, and kind. That men need to understand and people of God need to understand that you can win with gentleness. It is the only thing that works in the kingdom of God. It's exampled in Jesus, his compassion on others, his gentleness in ways. The only people he was harsh with are people that thought they were too good for other people, religious people. Religious people had all the rules and had everything right, and they were better than everybody else. I want you to know that somehow we need to, I don't know what's going on here. Oh, I'm going to call. Yay. I, had, I, I have a brain that cannot ignore that. I apologize. But I think we would have more balanced homes and more Bible-centric people if we understood that God is gentle toward us and we should be gentle toward others. 2 Timothy 2.24, the servant of the Lord must not strive but be gentle, Paul told his disciples. 
In Titus 3 and 2, he said they are not to be brawlers, but to be gentle. Amen? This is what the scripture tells us. James 3.17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, and gentle. 2 Corinthians 10.1 says, Paul said, I, Paul, beseech you by the meekness of and gentleness of Christ or by the mercies of God. In Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. We see that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Gentleness is actually a fruit of the Spirit. So if you want to know whether you're growing, check the fruit on the tree. Do you have a leaning toward gentleness? I have to tell you, brothers, in, 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 the, in the fear of the Lord, that if you believe that harshness over your children is the way to raise them and, and having that voice that is just loud and booming and scary to the kids is the way to keep them in line, I can tell you the scriptural pattern of a nourishing father is one who is gentle with their children. I had to learn this because just recently I was dealing with a situation where my kids were thinking I was angry at them and really I was only disappointed and I had to change my behavior and my approach because I wanted to honor this word of God and stay on schedule with the appointments that God has for me and the appointments and anointing that God has for my children. I wanted to stay on point. And the reason why I'm saying this is because the scripture tells us that we are to guide our children, raise them properly, and help them to understand that God is in control of their life and their future better than they could ever plan. He is going to put together a schedule for them that when they look back at it, they can say, look what God has done with my life. I could not pull it together. I could not hold it down. I could not keep it from falling apart. But when you look back, God, when I surrendered my life to God and I submitted to his will for my life, he took over my schedule and became the head of my life and the head of my direction. And now it's not important how fast I'm going, but the direction my heart is going. It's not important how good I'm doing every single day, but it's important that I have surrendered myself every single day to the plan of God and that I walk in wilderness with his word and I walk in strength with his power and I'm no longer asking myself what's wrong with me but I'm asking myself what's strong with me I've found a place in almighty God where there is a walk with him where I trust him so much that even though when I go into a fiery furnace I am unburnable I am unchangeable I will come out untainted by where I have been I don't look like what I have been through brothers and sisters only because he has always been the place of my submission. And I pray somebody takes that and runs with it. I pray you take it and you say, God, be in charge of my schedule. God, take every bit of me and use it for all of what you want. Everything you're going to use, everyone that you want to use. If there is anybody, Lord, use me. I need some help with the music team right now. I wonder if you could stand and have a moment of submission. I know I've been a little longer than most days, but I had to get through some very real stuff in the scripture. And I believe that if you heard what I said, that you will not begin to use the things that you aren't supposed to use, but you will ask God, cleanse my heart. And you'll begin to win in ways you never could have won before using gentleness and kindness and love and seeking mercy and walking with your God. I pray that that happens in this place today.
Would you stand with me, everybody in here, if you can? And would you begin to pray at this moment, asking the Lord, Jesus, I haven't always believed everything that I need to believe. I want you to help someone's unbelief as they pray today. Lord, I haven't always been as strong as I should be, but I'm going to stop asking what's wrong with me and start asking what's strong with me. I'm going to start asking you, Lord Jesus, to show me your ways, to guide my steps, that the righteous man, the one who desires to do right in you, Jesus, has their steps ordered of the Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray somebody puts their foot down today, that somebody takes dominion today, that someone says, I have authority I have the devil under my feet. I'm going to walk with God in ways that only he could schedule. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Worship with them as they sing. Hallelujah. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, your schedule but he brought me in. Release where you are to him, to a sovereign God. Lord, we're not going to question you. We're not, not going to live on what ifs or would have or could have. We're going to release ourselves to you right now. We're going to submit to your schedule. If we're walking toward you, Jesus, we're going the right direction. No matter how fast we're moving. As long as we're moving towards you, Jesus, we pray that this word penetrates our heart, touches somebody to analyze their heart, analyze their actions, analyze their will, analyze their desires, analyze their responses to people and to others around them and the events of life. Search me and know me, O oh God that I might not pull myself away from you, Jesus. Cleanse my heart from all unrighteousness, God, that I would have the desires that you give, Jesus, and my heart would not lead me astray. Help me to govern and guard my heart, to only let it do what is godly and upright and wholesome, to abide by the word of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. Come on, thank him for the strengths in your life. Ask the Lord to help you enhance those strengths, not to focus on the things that broke, not to focus on the things that are breaking down. Give those over to Jesus right now. Shrug them off into his hands, those worries those cares put them in the hands of the Lord and let him take care of the part you can't fix because he's a heavenly father he's a gentle father he's a nourishing father thank you oh God for what you do in our lives to mend and deliver and save and set free enhance the strength of your people Show them what's strong with them, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. 
that you release unto them an understanding of where they stand in your schedule, that you have a timeline for them and you have eternity prepared. Help them today, Jesus, I pray.